Hello and welcome to Community Voices, a platform for voices of the community recreation industry. I'm Brittany, the editor of Community Rec Magazine. Today I am chatting with Wesley King. Uh, Wesley is the founder of Wesley King Consulting, which is a provider of aquatic safety and service support. Uh, but Wesley has also been a longtime friend and supporter of Community Rec Magazine, which is why we're chatting today. <laughs> In many years. Yes. Welcome. Thank you for being Thank here. You. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the invite. Yes. I think that we connected because, as we all know, it is July, which is like peak pool, summer, water, aquatics time. So it was the perfect time to have this chat. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so, as we dive into our conversation, you know, I just want to get your background. Like, what has your experience been in the community recreation industry and just where your passion for aquatics came from? Yeah. So thank you. Um, so as my wife hates when I say, but long story long, um, I've been doing this for almost 30 years. I started in 1995 as a lifeguard in my uh, small town, central Illinois, and I was raised in in-ground pool. My family didn't go on massive vacations. We built an in-ground pool backyard and that was our deal. And so not only was I raised into it right at the ripe age of 15, 16, Central Illinois builds the largest water park in the Midwest, in, in the middle of the state, I should say. Well, I was across the street from it. And lo and behold, lifeguard, manager, head guard, instructor, so on and so forth, go to college. And then I started to realize that there, it's not just a pool, right? So I could really create a career out of this. So from running JCCs to YMCAs, Lifetime Fitnesses, really climbing the corporate ladder in aquatics, if you will, uh, as I got through decades, um, <laughs> That just makes me old. Running large <laughs> water parks, working in the different industries. Uh, four or five years ago, I got the idea of starting my own business. And it was led by some mentors and said, hey, you've got enough experience to do this on your own. And so I tried to carry the passion that I had, along with the knowledge that I gained, to then be able to provide that to other people and organizations in the industry. And um, ironically enough, I launched my business. My coming out party was March 2022. Spring break of March 2022, to be exact. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we don't have to remember what happened there, other than my daughter's third birthday, um, the world shut down. So it's been a fun three years since then. Yeah. So. Yeah. And exactly like speaking of that. So I know like one of the things we definitely wanted to like dive in and talk about was the start of the pandemic and how things have changed in the aquatics world since then. Sure. And so I just wanted to see if you can cover, you know, like what, what's has changed? Like, what have we learned? Yeah, that's a great question. What have we learned? Um, I think there's also part, what have we not learned too? But um, the first thing I'll say, and this is just a, a national general anecdote is we've learned that pools exist. There was a time where every day in the Chicago news, the New York news, LA, every news had a, had a pool story and it wasn't drowning, right? Pools are being closed. There are enough shortages. There was a real spotlight for good or bad reasons on the pool in your community. And I think what we learned is that people pay attention when there's support like that, whether your pool is being closed, whether you hired a thousand lifeguards. We've learned that people take what we do a little more seriously than I think we first thought in COVID. When the news before COVID, when the news shows up and they want to do a story on your pool being closed, that's serious. That's math. That's financial. And I think we've learned another part of what we learned is that math matters. Money matters in your pool. It is a business. We can act like it's not, 
But all of the national news stories and all the pool shortages and the lifeguard shortages tell us it's a business. So I think that's a big takeaway for me is that people didn't shy away on the national level to understanding you might think it's a pool, but we as an operating factor in the world think it's a business. And you have to close down now because you didn't make enough money and we're going to seal it over and put pickleball on it. I think that's a hard lesson to learn, right? On the opposite end, I think one of the things we really came out with is those that are operating pools and in it had had the opportunity to look at the math and to look at the numbers and say, what do I need to be successful? What kind of calculation do I have to deliver from staffing to expense to revenue? So again, there's a lot of pieces to that, but math matters and the world, the nation takes what we do a little more seriously than I think we first thought before the pandemic. Mm. That helps lead into mm-hmm. things. Yeah, and it's funny you bringing up math because it's like you never, you know, from like your average person, you're talking about pool and aquatics and summertime. <laughs> and you you don't think about math. Right. Um, like you don't think about the numbers, but I think probably as an aquatics operator, that is something like just as you pointed out, that is something that's yeah. what you're thinking yeah. about. <laughs> right. All we ever care about is nine to not nine to five, but open to close. And I mm-hmm. say this generally open to close. Did no one drown? Did our staff show up? Well, that's all budget, right? But we're in the middle of it. We're sweating with the radios and our no, you know, talk. we're not stepping away from it. And what COVID really allowed us or forced us to do was step back and go, where's our dollars and cents? Can we stay open? And then second, what kind of pool are we? And then help us define that. So yeah, yeah, I think that was a big wake up call for a lot of people. Yeah. And I mean, like kind of getting into that, like the daily grind. And so I think one of the things, again, I'm not an aquatics operator and I know you are, and I know a lot of people listening will are probably going yeah. to either be in the aquatics arena or they want to know more about it. And so, you know, speaking to leaders like in that aquatics area, can you share advice for like staying motivated even yeah. through that daily grind? Yeah. One thing that, so I'm a big sports guy and I love sabermetrics and Bill James and Moneyball, right? But within that sport, something they always talk about is motivated versus disciplined. On the day that I don't have the motivation to pick up the garbage, to say hi to the guests, to check the chemicals, what am I disciplined to do, right? What am I taught to do? What can I just do mentally routine and just do it? And what can't I do? What is going to cause me stress? And to your point of the question, one of the things I always try to do is think about what's going to stop me from being successful right now. Right now, I have to go backwash for 45 minutes. Right now, I have to go round and I have to check on my guards. But if every other lifeguard doesn't know that, or the mother manager, or the if they don't know that I need my 45 minutes, then I cannot have peace of mind. So I need to take a piece, pardon pun here, a piece of my mind and give it to the front desk and say, well, I'm gone. Here's your list of things I need done. Here's the things I need to hear for you. I go to the head guard and I said, here are the things that I need you to do because I can't be disturbed. Now, this doesn't mean I'm unavailable. It means if you distract me, I can't get the hose out. I can't backwash, right? So it's allowing others to understand that for this window, this moment, I have to do X, but you have to do Y. And I think what happens, and I did this for years and fell on my face for years. Hey, I'm going to go backwash. Okay, Wes, cool. Hey, I'm going to go around. Okay, cool. What does that mean to them? What are they? They don't know that to me, That means I'm going to go talk to every guard. I've got a list of questions. I need to get their water. They don't know that. And frankly, they don't care. That's okay. 
But again, if I'm so focused on what I have to do, I'm never going to be able to go. Do they know? Do they have an inch of how important what I have to do right now is? And if they don't know, well, I need to take a step back and give them a little a piece of my mind so that I can have peace of mind. Yeah. That makes sense. I know there's a couple of steps there, but if it's in my brain and it's not in your brain, I can't be successful at doing it because you're going to interfere with me. You're going to ask me a question that you think is important. And I'm going to, oh, why are you asking me that right now? I told you I'm backwashing, but I didn't tell you what it meant. I didn't tell you how important back or rounding or checking anything is. Checking the first aid supplies. So again, giving yourself the chance to do what you have to do by allowing others to understand it a little better is a big peace of mind, is a big weight off my shoulders that I that I've come to learn. If that and it could be anything. It could be five minutes, it could be 10, it could be when you walk in the door. If you're somebody that gets stressed out easily and panics easy and everybody comes up to you and asks you, hey, I need this, I need this, right when you walk in, then take five minutes tomorrow and tell the team, hey, guys, I really struggle when you throw it at me. Put it on a list. Text it to me before I get there. Have it on a dry erase board. I'm not saying I don't want to know the stuff. I'm saying deliver it to me in a way that I can absorb it better. Peace of mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, similarly, because so you're staying motivated as a leader. And I think also one of the things I wanted to, you know, get your thoughts on was also keeping your team engaged. Yes. And so um, you, I mean, Great. I feel like you're hinting all around that as well. And so. Yeah, I, the, so without being too structured here, the idea was to allow the listener of this message to own themselves first before we get to the team engagement. And so you're right, I have kind of been teasing the idea of team engagement, but if you struggle with just breathing and just standing on the deck and going, okay, then some things you can do to engage the team structurally are simple questions that will lead to a greater purpose. So for example, Brittany, can I ask you what your favorite color is? Like, uh, what's your favorite color? Is it too, is it too boring if I just say green or no, like, like an olive green? I love olive. I love it. Okay. And so Brittany's favorite color is olive green. Wes's favorite color, and this is true, is dark orange sunset deep purple. 100% <laughs> true. Okay. Now picture that color. My daughter knows this. She's laughing at me. Picture that. It's a cool sunset. I'm picturing olive green. Now to engage the staff as a manager head guard, you're going to go around on your rounding and talk to the guards and ask them if they need water and how their scanning is. But hey, what's your favorite color? Whatever, tell me. I get it all from everybody. Then on my next lap, an hour later, they're at a different station. I, as the manager, go up to him and say, hey, Joey, did you know Brittany's favorite color is olive green? Yo, man, I'm garden. What are you doing? I'm garden. Cool, cool. Just play it up. No. Why is Wes asking me? I don't get it. Then at the end of the day, they're going home. You have your five-minute um, stand-up meeting or you have your rounding session. You talk to the guards when they leave. And you said, hey, what colors, what does it matter? Tomorrow, we're going to talk about kids and colors. Go home and Google kids in swimsuits. Give them something that makes them intrigued. All you did was ask them their favorite color. Now, tomorrow, you come in and you put a dry erase, a stat on your dry erase board, and it says, did you know that if a child drowns in a swimsuit, it's most likely to be blue? Oh. Then the next day, you come in and have a challenge. Hey, guards, how many kids do you see in blue swimsuits? Now, that's a four-day 
five-layer question. I routed in chair one. I routed on the next chair. I caught up with you after your shift. I gave you an assignment for the next day. I had That's five layers just on your favorite color. Mm. But if we go back to peace of mind, if I can go out on the pool deck with a specific question, with a specific person, with a five-day plan, then I bought myself time. I bought myself safe space. I bought myself the ability to go with a purpose and to mess with the minds of all my guards and make them better four days later, where in fact, they just think I'm trying to be nice to them and tell them stories. We can do the same thing for your favorite swimming event, or your favorite Olympic event. And they say basketball, and one of them is going to say swimming. Four days later, you say, did you know that Brittany's favorite thing is handball? Oh, by the way, did you know that 37 to 41% of adults can't swim in this country? But that started with me asking your favorite Olympic event four days ago. Mm-hmm. And all it did was, he? why is he? What? I don't care about the Olympics. It's not even a year from now. The Olympics aren't even now. But because I got you to talk to me about something meaningless and average and rad, I can now talk to you about something serious and real, like drowning, like non finding the adult in your pool that can't swim. Two pieces of engagement. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite Olympic sport? Four days later, I'm able to have a real conversation with you about some real stuff that could really happen while you're in the chair right now. Just by two simple questions. Planned out with thought and purpose. Now, for what it's worth, I have about 50 of those questions. So I can run through the whole summer (laughs) and every other day do an every other day plan. So within 100 days, you have learned, learned 50 things about life safety in the world as a lifeguard. And I just asked you what your favorite color was. But it starts with having that peace of mind to know that I can go on the deck and do that without being interrupted. Mm-hmm. Because I told the deck, hey, I'm going to go around. What is rounding me? I'm going to do a deck walk. What's a deck walk? Well, I actually have a 10-page essay on a deck walk. And I provide it to my clients. So we do a deck walk. Then everybody sees us do a deck walk. Well, in that deck walk, I'm asking your favorite color. But I can only do the deck walk because I told you I need 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of layers to that. but Right. If you piece it all together, you can be a much more effective and efficient leader without stressing so much. Mm. I love that. And I love the creativity of the questions. Again, something I don't think people might not think of easily. And, you know, unless they have that creative spark or something to to give them that idea. And with an end goal, again, the the ending is the purpose here. I want my guards to know that it's the blue swimsuits and it's the zip scars, right? We have a zip scar. Uh, You have a heart surgery, you have a zip scar on your chest, that pink scar on your chest. Mm -hmm. I used to have a game of, tell me how many adults have zip scars on their chest. But when you have 8,900 swimmers, almost 9,000 swimmers in a seven water park radius, you can find a lot of zip scars. And your head guards can really start looking. And the top of the tower slides can look at the guys and gals coming down the slides. Hey, zip scar. I didn't alarm anybody. I didn't flag anybody, but maybe he's a little more red faced. But again, if I never ask you what a zip scar is mm-hmm. on day one, day four, you're never going to look for it. And you're never going to know that it's because you had heart surgery. Yeah. Right. So small, light, easy questions that allow me to be me and you to be you without digging in. Mm, yeah. And on that same thread of leadership. So, and I think you've kind of talked about this too, because, you know, if you're a leader and you need to have that freedom to 
go have those conversations, to do the deck walk, to even have the mind space, to be creative, right. to think of these questions. You need to also be able to rest and have some type of work-life balance, right? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I, I know everybody could probably use this bit of information or advice, but you know, speaking you know, from that aquatics expertise, mm -hmm. You know, tell us, yeah. <laughs> tell us your your thoughts on the work life balance. Um, well, I started in 1995, and it was only until I was able to see other people tell me that I didn't have a work life balance mm. that I even was aware of. So I think that's the first step. Is there's a hundred days in the summer, we spend all spring break planning for it. We and the people that are running the pools. Right. And then there's no off season because we have indoor programming. Mm -hmm. And until you're aware that you're not stopping, that's the first step. Somebody either has to bring it to your attention or you have to hit a wall and go, whoa, 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 whoa. My wall was long story short. This will be short. My son was three and a half. He's 10 now. So he's three and a half. I went to a movie. My team got my voicemail. My team had never heard my voicemail on my phone. I picked up my phone for almost five straight years, two years before my son's birth. Three years in, my team called my wife worried. I was in a movie, just in a movie. No, and there was no, there was no issue. Then we died. Just had a question, but I never picked up. I mean, I never not picked up. And because of that, they panicked. Not in a panic. We can't function. It's is Wes okay? Yeah, it's very heartwarming. But it told me, oh my God, I need to, I need to separate a little bit. I need to them to know that I'm not dying if I don't pick up the phone. And they can function on their own. So that was seven, eight years ago. My point is I had to have that wake-up call in a movie for my wife to go, why is your team calling me? Nothing's even... So that's the first step. The second step is making your own. If you can make what you do your own, you don't have to ask permission from your company to walk a certain way or to check a chemical a certain way or to do a rotation. Find things that you can own. Find things that when you walk on that pool deck, no one can take away from you. How you greet people. Do you fist bump? Do you high five? Do you let a guard walk by you without saying hi? I can tell you there are major league baseball players that are professional managers now that didn't let a rookie walk by them and not say hi. That's yours. That's not the company's, right? If you check chemicals on the back end of the pool rather than the front end, who cares? How can you walk on that pool deck and say, this is mine, that's mine, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it meaningful but I'm going to do it my way. So when I leave, I did, I feel good, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times, and this is speaking very general with very many different companies, the way they are successful is you have to do it their way. And I've worked for a lot of them. So I don't work for them anymore. And I don't blame them. But on a pool deck with 500 swimmers and 12 lifeguards, every day you can't live like that. It's not, a, it's not an auto press. And so if you start to get in that habit where the machine is running you down, step back and go, what did I do today that was mine? Did I eat lunch with the team? Did I eat lunch by the sun? You can make these decisions. But again, you have to be aware that you're in that space, right? For me, it was seven. I went to see a movie. And like, so, but, so again, make it your own. Like I've certified over 3,000 lifeguards with a bunch of different companies. I had to teach the class a certain way. But I can tell you, I dropped a few nuggets and a few things here and there. So when they walked out of class, when they walked out of class, 
they could say, I knew what I needed to know, but I also felt it was a little personal, a little more meaningful. Yeah. But that's no, the key for that. me is, um, so a last little note on that. So I'm a big movie junkie. Most of the people that have ever had a lifeguarding class with me or managed by me don't know this, but the conversation that I've had are movie quotes. I'll say, and I'll say, go see the movie. And they'll go see a movie and they'll go rent it. And then we can have a real conversation. If you're not a movie person and you're a music person, tell your team. Tell, this is what I love. Try it out so that you can have those relationships. So when it's not yours and you're in the grind and you can't get out of it, you at least have that foundation there. Mm. Right? So again, I'll tell somebody right now, I just quoted, quoted the movie Old School to You, and they're like 19. So they even know that movie existed, right? <laughs> yeah. Or Office Space. That's a big one. Office Space is a great one. And these 20-year-olds have no clue. I said, just go rent the movie. And then they'll rent the movie and come back. Hey, I got it. I got it. I get it. I got it. And it just changes. every. And it doesn't have to be movies, but find your thing and let it be part of what you do every day. Mm. Not easy. But it's one thing. Where do I eat lunch? Where am I checking camera? One thing at a time you own and you own more of it. And soon enough, you're walking on with your head up going, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. It's not easy, but it takes one thing at a time. Yeah, I like that. I feel like that's applicable in all kinds of in, I mean, in every leadership position. And it, that's I it stole it from. Across, yeah, I mean, it comes across very personable, you know, yeah. like I, I think that that is a nice touch. And it's okay. it's okay to call people out if you do it right. So I referenced David Ross. That's a baseball player. He was a veteran. He was not shy about it. If you're new in your place, find another way to call somebody out. You don't maybe do it in public. But again, if you're not comfortable, with somebody, hey, pull somebody aside. I mean, bro, let's not do that. You know, find a way to connect to people so that when you need them, they're there for you. Mm-hmm. All right. I feel like we've covered so many things in this conversation today. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about aquatics that I did not know. Um, I will say the blue swimming suit story is is huge to me. And I mean, like I, I don't have children and I would never realize about like the dangers of a blue swimsuit for a child, and, even an adult, anybody who couldn't swim that struggle. Well, and that's 40% of adults can't swim. Yeah. And if you throw an ethnicity and, and, and socioeconomic background, that number almost doubles. Yeah. 75% of adults in certain areas of this country with certain ethnic backgrounds don't know how to swim. Mm-hmm. Going back to the blue swim story, that was from social media. Um, I found that on National News. A friend of mine published some major uh, studies and research on it, and we combined. And that's the last kind of maybe not the last thing. One of the things I want to make a note of is one, if you're going to social media for advice, you've missed some steps in your company. Mm-hmm. I don't find a lot of my clients on Facebook, but I find a lot of people asking for help on Facebook and LinkedIn. And it, it kind of scares me because it means they're not getting internal. Equally, very equally, I love that people are asking for help publicly because that wasn't always the case. Mm-hmm. Anonymous or not, people were very shy, in my opinion, in aquatics to share what they know and ask for help. I think COVID has helped adjust both of those things. Putting yourself out there and being willing to share what you know. Um, on you know groups and chats and things I've seen a nice uptick in people myself included but other professionals saying hey I know how to do this let me help you and I don't know that that was necessarily as open as it is today Hmm. so it's a nice thing I think that's commendable and I'm proud to see a lot of my colleagues do that yeah absolutely yeah 
Yeah. So. And so rounding it out, um, I know we've covered a lot. We covered uh, your background and the leadership and resting and team engagement. Um, do you have any last parting advice or wisdom for any of our listeners? Um, yeah, I, yeah, it's not easy. Drowning is real, mm -hmm. right? As much as I started the conversation with all the news stories, none of them were about drowning, unless it was Bodie Miller, somebody famous, cool, I get respect now, you know, and I work with a lot of drowning. We work in an industry that most people, even with what I said at the beginning, still don't understand. And I would encourage anybody listening to this to just own that. And it's okay that you, it's just, it, you're not a nurse, you're not a doctor, but we deal with a lot of stuff. And as much as some people have started to take our work a little more seriously, I think it's okay for you in this industry to, it was a long day. Whew. I saw some stuff today. Okay. Like years ago, we would never even, mm, we're, we're, mm, but it's a different world now. And I think it's okay to just accept the fact that we're in some stuff and it gets hairy at times and acknowledge that, accept that, own it and try to work through it as opposed to hiding away from an emergency or hiding away from a stressful employee or, you know, it, it's real. This is a different industry and it's okay to accept that you're in a tough spot sometimes um, and not shy away from it. I, I shied away from it and I know many people that did. And I think we're in a, we're in a part of the um, industry now where we're starting to own that it's scary, but it's safe and it can be fun too. So, All right. Yeah. That's what I know. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Yes. And thank you for taking time out of your day. And oh, my goodness. It was lovely seeing and meeting your daughter as well. <laughs> FaceTiming, sweetie. <laughs> Normally she'd be owning this, but she's hungry and tired. So, yeah, I understand. Fair. But yes, thank you very much. This has been great. Yes. Well, thank you for being on Community Voices, for sharing your voice yes. and teaching me and our listeners a little bit more about aquatics. <laughs> Absolutely. My pleasure. And for the years of writing, too, it's been a pleasure being able to contribute over the years mm -hmm. as well. So thank you very much. Yeah. Anybody listening, I'm sure I'll link this when I post it. But Wesley has written uh, you know, a number of articles and resources for Community Rec Magazine since we launched. And so those are all available. Please check them out. Um, and of course, and if you have aquatics questions, I'm sure Wesley is happy to help answer them. <laughs> Be happy to help. Right, sweetheart? <laughs> awesome. Thank well, you. thank you all for listening. Wesley, thank you so much. And until next time, we'll see you then. <laughs> okay.